0: Hello everyone, this is part two of talking about clinical rotations. I do have a previous episode that is entitled Clinical Rotations, What to Bring and Tips on Receiving Feedback, and that's going to be a good one to listen to that talks about professionalism, what to ask your preceptor on day one, how to handle downtime, things like that. This episode is going to go into some other good things to know about clinical rotations, like taking advantage of your time, how clinical rotations usually play out with the dynamic with preceptors, what to do during patient encounters, how to prepare for rotations, what kind of attitude to bring to the table your day, how to ask good questions, what to do during rounds, Really, the overall philosophy of third year and a few other things too. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and this is First Line, here to bring listeners of all backgrounds together to discuss whole body health and wellness through an osteopathic lens. First Line covers tangible ways to improve your health, hot topics in healthcare, the journey to becoming a physician, mental health relationships, and even philosophy, all while holistically addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Also, you might be wondering how you can support this podcast. So this podcast, at this point, I have decided that all my episodes are free to access on all platforms. And If you want to see all the platforms that First Line is on, you can look at any of my episode notes. So, First Line is always free. All my episodes are free. There's no subscription model. So, how this podcast basically pays for itself is through the ads that I do. And of course, I don't make good money from the ads, it's not a source of income, it's pocket change, essentially. But I do have those ads because I believe that making this podcast is a considerable sacrifice on my part to put aside time from my studies and taking away time that I could be doing other kind of hobbies and other endeavors, and I'm really giving back to to all of my listeners, whether you're medical students when it's a podcast like this where I'm talking about my experience in medical school, or whether it's my episodes that talk about prevention and health and wellness. That being said, ads are a very small way that I can make some money through doing this to provide value for my time, besides the obvious value of being able to help people, which is obviously the career that I've chosen as a uh, soon-to-be D.O. And I do enjoy this podcast, and it is is in itself a hobby. But just being able to pump out episodes every week, it does turn into a sort of job because I have to meet deadlines. So ads are one way that I do this, and most podcasts do have ads and sponsors. Another way that you can support the podcast is, uh, through Anchor. I do have a support page, and this is listed if you look at the details of the podcast. And it might not be on all platforms, but it's, it's definitely on Anchor and Spotify and Apple. And, um, if you're on a different platform, the uh, URL is going to be anchor.fm slash firstline slash support. That is a way that you can support this podcast and make it more likely that this podcast will continue to exist on a weekly basis like it has been. That is a kind of subs- subscription deal with that to become a supporter and they ask for monthly contribution ranging from so you can choose 99 cents per month, 4.99 per month or 9.99 per month. And so that is a way that you can support this podcast in a really small way. So that 99 cents per month that's $12 a year, which obviously payment for me that is pocket change similar to what I get with ads. But adding up with my supporters if you're able to give and support the podcast, it will definitely help me to set aside the time that is required to sit down and record these episodes, to edit these episodes, which people forget about that being a longer part of the process. It takes me at least twice the amount of time to edit as um, record And many times I have to re-record if the audio doesn't sound right. And so there's a lot that goes into it, having to do promotions. If you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you know that I post several times a week. All of that does take a lot of time. So if you do want to support the podcast, that is a small way that you can do that. And to help keep this podcast free and ensure that I can set aside time on a weekly basis to record, edit, and upload. This episode is sponsored by TrueLearn, an exam prep company best known for their smart banks that turn your weak areas into your strengths. TrueLearn is the only company I trusted for Comlex Level 1 prep last year and Level 2 prep this year. Each TrueLearn practice question has detailed answer explanations and concise bottom lines for customizable studying. TrueLearn also has amazing USMLE smart banks as well as subscriptions for shelf or coma exams. Go to TrueLearn.com and use one of my special discount codes I have for up to $35 off your subscription. Special discount codes can be found in the episode description. TrueLearn is the first line solution for excelling on exams. Okay, so going into the the main part of this episode. I have been asked before what my favorite part of third year is. And, and I really like that we're finally at a point where we can use our knowledge to help patients. And the patients we see are actually real patients. They're not um, actors that come in to pretend to be patients and have a memorized script that we so often see during our training. So these are real patients with real problems And it took us so long to get to this point. Preclinical curriculum, probably the hardest two years of our lives before going into rotations. Most medical students want to go into medicine to help people. And now we are finally talking to patients and helping them and are involved in their care. I also liked, by the end of the year, looking back at how much I really do know at this point, how knowledgeable I am, how comfortable I feel now talking to patients. When I first started in July, I was definitely prepared to start rotations, but it was definitely a transition to start doing that and doing it um, back to back to back, seeing so many patients throughout the day, especially in an outpatient setting. And how... Now I'm so experienced being done core clerkships, um, being done third year rotations, and getting to the point where I feel confident speaking to patients and counseling them, not only just being a recorder of their history and performing their physical, but being able to sit with them in the moment and think of what I think is going on be comfortable and knowledgeable enough to share that with them appropriately and to also give them a tentative plan that I would be bringing up in front of my preceptor to then discuss with and and most of the time that lining up pretty accurately. So it's definitely a big change and obviously if you're listening to this and you're just about to start rotations or you're in your first few rotations. This is going to sound like a daunting task, but you will get there in time. I I was nervous that I wouldn't get to this point. I really was. I, especially after, I guess around my second rotation, I felt like I wasn't really improving that much. And so that was a little scary, but as the year went on, I really did become more comfortable. So that is something good to look forward to. And Even part of it, so surgery was probably my least favorite thing. Um, I definitely prefer talking to patients while they are still conscious. But even with surgery, I remember scrubbing in to my first surgery compared to scrubbing in for my last surgery. And how just knew what I was doing. Obviously, I wasn't functioning like a surgery resident or a surgeon. But I knew what my role was and I knew how to scrub in, even just the way that I put gloves on and my gown on, it just gave me so much confidence that, hey, I I really did improve here. I'm getting better. This is cool, right? It's just interesting. That's just a more visual example of what third year looks like and what to look forward to as far as your progress goes. So let's talk again about day one what to expect with working with a preceptor. So in my experience, all of the preceptors I worked with will assign you patients to go see. I think a lot of students, and myself included, we think that we show up on day one and we are just thrown in and expected to know uh, what goes on. But usually preceptors will be good at uh, saying, I have this patient coming in at this time, so that would be for outpatient and then for inpatient it would be well this is my list of patients i'm going to give you one or two of them to go see and then rounds will be at this time so most preceptors will actually give you that type of direction and if they don't then you need to ask for those expectations So you can say which patients would you like me to see or would you just like me to watch you see the first few patients and then I can see some patients on my own and report back to you. And sometimes it helps to show up early to take a look at patient lists and just know what patients are coming in for because um, many times your preceptor might ask you, well, are there any patients on today's list that you would be interested in seeing? And in that case, it helps to at least know what patients are coming in the day so that you can actually give an answer. It shows that you're taking initiative by looking at the schedule ahead of time. It doesn't have to be done the day before, but just the morning of, um, maybe coming in a few minutes early just to take a look so that you can actually give an answer to this question. I think it helps to be able to say, well, I really want to work on my chronic disease follow-up visits. So I saw that there are two patients on the schedule that are here for three-month follow-ups for diabetes. So I would love to see those patients so that I can work on those skills. That's a better answer than saying, well, I've seen a lot of patients with diabetes already, so I feel really comfortable seeing these patients, and I saw that there's two patients on the schedule, so I'll just take those patients. So you want to show that you're trying to learn, you're trying to get better skills, and that you're trying to give yourself some challenge instead of choosing the patients that you know you're going to like talking to or that you know you're going to be able to put together a good assessment and plan for. And many times, if especially if it's the first rotation or two, your preceptor is going to realize that you are new to doing rotations. So they'll often just invite you to shadow them for a half day or even a full day just to see their approach to to patients and what kind of expectations they might have for you. So for example, what might be expected out of the physical exam for a family medicine acute visit so they have a chief complaint is going to be different in family medicine when someone is coming in for a well check and those are going to be drastically different from a history and physical exam for someone coming in to discuss surgery during a surgical rotation with the history being more pertinent to whether or not they need surgery and whether or not they have risk of complications from surgery or contraindications for having surgery. Whereas family medicine, we care a little bit more about prevention and lifestyle factors. Those are very different and the physical exams are very much different too with family medicine looking at more body systems than just the surgeon might be doing. And preceptors also have different different ways of doing things, so it's good to observe what they do um, before going in and seeing patients yourself. And all of these are probably going to be very different than the history and physical exam that you learned during your preclinical education. That was much more likely to be very much in depth because in reality when you're seeing a patient you're not actually spending 20 minutes on the physical exam you are narrowing it down to what is important and I would just say at a minimum I always listen to the heart I always listen to the lungs I always listen to the abdomen and I always palpate the abdomen I always check upper and lower extremity pulses, and I always check for edema in adult patients. In pediatrics, this might be a little bit different. I'll talk more about that later, but that's usually the minimum that I do. And then you add things to your physical exam based off of their chronic disease. Like if they have cardiovascular disease, you might want to check for carotid bruise. If they are here complaining about knee pain, then you're gonna want to take a look at their knee, whereas you probably not do too much with the knee if it was someone coming in with a headache, for example. So learning everything that you did in preclinical education was important because you're going to use all of that at some point, but you don't have to do it for every single patient. So that's just going to be a learning curve of realizing what is important, but if you stick to what you wanna do for every patient and then you can just add things on. That's a really good starting point with that. Then I'll, I'll talk about this in the next episode, but having some kind of structure with how you do your history can be helpful too. In addition, a, an advice that I would say uh, really worked for me was taking advantage of the weekend before a rotation starts to brush up on the basics of whatever specialty you're going to rotate with. So reading up and studying things that you know are going to show up on day one. And I'm going to talk about this in the in a future episode where I go into detail what these things are in each of the rotations. But I did this and I noticed that preceptors were impressed with my knowledge base from the start of the rotation and that makes a really good first impression because these preceptors are going to write you letters of recommendation for residency. And if you are able to get stellar comments, like had a very strong knowledge base and worked on expanding that further as the rotation went on, then those are really good comments to get um, for residencies to see. And yes, you're going to study every day and learn more every day, but you wanna start from a really good foundation so that you can start with confidence and just increase your confidence as you go on. I think it helps to be very energetic and friendly going into a new rotation. Always act interested, even if it's just shadowing. Learn how to ask thoughtful questions. Show that you're excited to help. If you were asked to do something, don't just say sure or okay. Say, I would love to help. If there is downtime and your preceptor hasn't really asked you to do anything, instead of just studying, make sure that you always ask if there's a patient that you can go see and um, then that you can report back later. Um, So just showing initiative, showing that you are ready and willing to learn uh, goes a long way. I am now providing personalized assistance specifically to medical students. I can help with editing your CV for away rotations or other opportunities. I can aid in revisions for your personal statement. And when the time comes, I can help you edit your ERAS application. I will catch your grammar and style mistakes and also provide feedback on content revision so you can craft documents that make you more competitive. There are so many expensive services out there that charge hundreds to thousands of dollars on reviews, which is why I am offering a much more affordable service with different price packages based on your needs. While many services out there are led by staff members who are years to decades removed from their experience as medical students, I am uniquely positioned to help you as someone who has been through this process myself in the last year or two, and as someone with professional writing and editing experience. This is the type of service I wish was available to me. I know what it takes to make you stand out, and I know what residency programs are looking for. In addition to listening to my past episodes with tips on navigating applications, Use the link in this episode description to learn more about the services I offer for individualized help. In addition to these editing services, you can add on a brainstorming session or a strategy session if you are lost and want to talk one-on-one with me about strategy or how to approach your personal statement. I also have an option right now with opting for one day delivery that's a 24-hour turnaround for any review that you need an important thing to keep in mind during clinical rotations is that you should never ask questions that you can very easily look up something that you could very easily either google or look up on up to date or anything like that but you do want to make sure that you can always think of a question that you can ask and what i mean by that is to think of a question that is more about their decision making their preferences for treatment and that takes advantage of the preceptor's expertise. An example would be asking, why did you choose this type of medication over this medication? Or when would you choose to do this procedure on this patient? Or what do you think caused this patient's presentation? More nuanced things like that. And I, a lot of times, would save these intellectual and thoughtful questions for when a preceptor comes to you and say, what questions do you have? Or do you have any questions about this? Because you never want to be handed that question and then not have a question to ask. So you want to hold on to these If you do think it's a very thoughtful question and you have a preceptor that doesn't regularly say what questions you have, then yes, you can ask it. Make sure that you time when you ask these questions appropriately. So not in the middle of when they are dictating or when they are talking to a nurse or when they are looking something up. I usually do ask them as they are first sitting down in their chair or when they are also talking to me at the same time that they're doing notes because then that means that they are capable of multitasking. So you really want to be socially aware of what is going on and when it's appropriate to ask a question. And that's a skill that you really do need to learn very quickly. Because if you're not asking questions, especially if the preceptor is asking you if you have questions and you say you don't have any, that can very easily be misinterpreted as you not being interested, you not being willing to learn. So you really do want to be careful that you are constantly thinking, what questions can I ask? And if you do you have a question that can easily be looked up? Make sure you are looking it up because that is something that can easily, you can be asked questions, you can be pimped on. So make sure you know that information if you're thinking about a question that you don't know the answer to. But if it's something that you can't easily look up or maybe it's something you try to look up and you can even say to the preceptor, oh, I tried to look this up but I couldn't really find anything. Can you answer this question for me? That would be appropriate because... The majority of the time, if you ask a question like, what is the mechanism of action for this drug? Or what is the first line treatment for this? Something that you can easily look up. The preceptor is usually going to look at you and, and usually say, why don't you just look that up and report back to me? So you can just skip that step and just look it up yourself. Because those don't give you brownie points for asking those sorts of questions. The thoughtful questions, however, absolutely can make you seem interested and involved and very much a part of the patient care. When it comes to rounds, you have to have a similar mindset of making it known that you're paying attention and that you are an active listener. So even if another student is presenting a patient, you need to be very much involved. And I would say that you should not be on your computer. And you should not be. You should definitely not be on your phone. Um, if even if you are reading notes from your computer, if another student is presenting, you want to make sure that you close your computer and give whoever the speaker is eye contact and be an active listener. Nod and. If you do want to write notes, and I actually do encourage that because then you look like an even more active learner, then you want to do handwritten notes. And yes, I know it's the same thing if you would write your notes on the computer, but for other people watching you, it looks a lot better if you are doing handwritten notes. So you wanna do that, whether you are in an inpatient or an outpatient setting, The main learning about third year is that you already know how to do a history and a physical. Now you have to work on assessment and plan. So with assessment, that means a differential diagnosis. So that means that you will have a provisional diagnosis, which means what you think is most likely happening. And then you also want a differential, some secondary diagnoses of things that you want to rule in or out. And based off of that, that's going to direct your plan to do additional testing if you need to, or just go right into treatment because you have all the information that you need. So when you're doing a differential diagnosis, you want to make sure that whether you're presenting it or whether you are writing this in a patient note, you want to be able to back up what goes into that. So your provisional diagnosis, you want to say why you think it is and what part of your history, what part of your physical exam indicates that. And then with differential diagnoses, you can both say what is supporting that diagnosis and what is not supporting that diagnosis. You can even include things that you feel very comfortable ruling out. Because you know that the attending is going to ask you, so including all of that up front will make you seem very confident and very much sure of yourself. And even if you're not completely sure of yourself, well, at least putting information out there is really going to help because then the preceptor knows what is going on in your mind when they just see a list of things they don't they don't know that you understand it or if you're just putting down words on paper. Even if you have multiple things on your differential that you can narrow it down to, have in your plan if testing comes back indicating one over the other that you know what the plan would be, what treatment they would get, what referrals would need to be made, things like that. And when you are presenting a patient, if you're talking about the care team, Don't say words like they will do this or the attending will do this or you will do this if you're talking to the attending. Say we because you're not doing it. Don't say I will do this. I will do that. Say we because you are a part of the care team and you can establish yourself and seem a little bit more confident if you say we will then do this and the results will come back to us and then we will do this, things like that. And just know that if you are given a patient, whether that is inpatient or outpatient, you need to know more about that patient than a resident you're working with or an attending that you're working with. You need to take ownership because they will have a lot more patients than you do. You're, you're likely only going to be given one, two, maybe three patients to take care of, especially if it's inpatient. So you need to know what their vitals are, what their labs are, new updates every day. If it's inpatient and if it's outpatient, you need to know everything on physical exam and you need to just do the work and know the information firsthand. And you want to be able to read through all of their previous history with their previous note in the chart. Don't ask questions to the attending saying, what did their baseline EKG show or what is their past medical history or are they on this medication, things like that. You should know if you have access to the electronic medical record, then you can see it there. Or if you don't, then you can ask the patient and get that information firsthand. You don't need to ask questions about the patient to your preceptor. You should know it. Thank you so much for listening again i'm on instagram at first line podcast also on facebook facebook.com slash first podcast you can reach out for any questions comments suggestions feedback i'd love to hear from you thanks again